The gospel lesson comes from the gospel of Matthew in the 21st chapter, starting in the 28th verse. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. This time, uh, Ignite, our worship leadership team, will have an important skit for you guys. Hi, welcome to Make Jesus today. How can I bless you? Hey, I was wondering if I could get a McJesus with cheese. Can I get extra grace with that? All our McJesuses come with all the grace you need. Oh, well, that's perfect. I like the McJesuses just the way that you serve them. Could I get some extra fries with that? You mean French fryers? That's what we have to call them. Yes, please. Uh, how much would that cost? Everything McJesus gives is free. Perfect. Here's your seat. Your McJesus will arrive at your table soon. Thank have you. a nice day. Hi, welcome to McJesus. How can I bless you today? I'm like double McJesus with no real structure, please. I'm sorry. Like I want my McJesus to have all the inspirational and comforting ideas, minus the standards and requirements on my part. I want my McJesus to only make me feel good and never make me question myself. I'm sorry. We only serve one type of McJesus here. But that can't be. We can we can guarantee that our McJesus has all the ingredients you need for a balanced life. So you won't give me what I want? Never been told no in my entire life. It shows. Um, you can always go to Religion King Jr. across the street if you want to customize your McJesus, but we can guarantee it won't be the same. You won't be the same. Have a nice day. Are you okay? He's right. After my first real McJesus, I never was the same. How can I bless you today? I need some McJesus, 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 McJesus. McJesuses? Yes, those. My grandparents are hosting a Bridget tournament and need some food. That sounds fun. It's like the most boring thing I've ever heard of. Imagine, you're watching golf on TV and no one swings the club. Well, we can offer you the communion combo, all the bread and juice you need. As long as it's more than two fish and five loaves, I'm good. Here's your seat. Your communion combo will arrive at your table soon. Have a nice day. Hi, welcome to McJesus. How can I bless you today? Hello. I need a McJesus with plenty of theology, patriology, phenomenology, anthropology, and deontology. But please, no eschatology, hematology, or soterology. I'm sorry. We only serve one type of McJesus here. We can't make those changes. What? Haven't you been reading? It's extremely archaic and obsolete to even accept what has been fed to you for so long without examination and rejection of nonsense concepts. Well, I know about food. Ology, and once I'm a Jesus is delivered and accepted as is, the hungrier filled and the tired are rejuvenated. That's the power of a McJesus. It seems simple until it's fully consumed. We can promise you won't be left wanting. Or eh. with hunger ology. And eh. I'll pass. It just doesn't make sense. Have a nice day. Hi, welcome to McJesus. How can I bless you today? 
So I want to make Jesus. But here's the thing. I want it to be good. Like, really good. I want it to have blessings, hope, peace, and eternal life. But nothing, like, hard on it. Like, I don't want hardships, difficulties, sacrifices, or responsibility. I want to bite into a McJesus and taste unicorns and rainbows. That's how a McJesus should be. We really need a sign for this. We only serve one type of McJesus here. What? Can I speak to your manager, please? Hello? How can I bless you today? Why is your employee here telling me I can only have one kind of McJesus? Like, where did you get the idea there's only one kind? I should be able to prefer. I should be able to choose what I prefer, right? Why can't I have why do I have to have a McJesus like you say I have to have it? So what'll it be? The only real McJesus or a cheap substitute? I think I need to see the recipe again. Come on then. Thank you, Ignite. All joking aside, it's an important reminder to us that Jesus is truly enough for us. Nothing needed to be added or taken away. And uh, we have to accept it for what it is. So as we come to this chapter in the Gospel of Matthew, it's an exciting chapter. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot to unpack here. We see the parable about the two sons, which is about three quarters away through the chapter. And it's embedded in between some pretty significant events. We have at the beginning of the chapter Jesus triumphantly and humbly entering into Jerusalem, which we celebrate and reflect upon on Palm Sunday. Right after this, and we don't know how long because there's no break in the text, we see Jesus get right to work and he starts cleansing the temple. He cleanses the temple and then immediately begins teaching and healing the blind and the lame. He then heads to the city of Bethany to rest for the night. The following day, Jesus returns to the city and he starts the day by teaching his disciples about real faith. Shortly after this, Jesus begins teaching in the temple again. The chief priests and the elders approach him and they begin questioning the very authority of Jesus to teach and to heal. Jesus responds with a question, a question of his own authority, which baffles the leaders and then he follows it up with two parables. The first is the parable of the two sons, and the latter is the parable of the wicked tenants. Without knowing the context, the before and the after, it may be hard to just jump right into this parable. And it's certainly hard to grasp where it's going without knowing where it fits. As Jesus tells the parable, he starts with a simple phrase. Now, what do you think? 
The next four chapters of Matthew shows Jesus rebuking the religious leaders, teaching and foretelling of the kingdom of heaven. In fact, these teaching stories and foretelling bring us all the way up to the night of the Passover and the installation of the sacrament of Holy Communion. The imagery here is also important to pay attention to. Jesus repeatedly uses Old Testament imagery to connect what he is speaking about with this audience to the Israelites. The vineyard represents the people of Israel as God's people. The imagery of the sun is also important as it represents the covenantal relationship between God and the Israelite people. So in this parable, Jesus begins a significant string of teachings that rebuke some and teach others. This, the first of three parables, purposely blocked together, specifically addressing and rebuking the leaders who questioned Jesus' authority. And these leaders would have been a mix of people from the Sanhedrin, a mix of leaders including Pharisees, Sadducees, and elders. Jesus here is powerfully showing those leaders that they're missing the point. As we seek to understand what this parable means for us, it can be helpful to start at the end of it and work backwards. First, with what Jesus says about John the Baptist. Remember, John is the one who came before Jesus to prepare the hearts of the people for the coming Savior. John taught, he baptized, and he prophesied Jesus' Jesus coming. He used his entire life to point to Christ. So Jesus is telling the religious leaders that John has already come to them and showed them the way to Christ. They have already been shown and told the truth. But they refuse to believe. They refuse to change their mind and look to Christ. In this, the chief priests and the religious leaders are like the second son, who hear the call of the father and say, yes, I will go, but don't. These are the people who hear the truth and either outright deny it or even worse, mislead those around them into believing that they have the authority and not Christ. Remember, this is exactly what the chief priests and elders attempted to do with Jesus. And this is exactly why Jesus responds in such a powerful and forceful way. Just as the second son denied the call from the father, these chief priests and elders did the same. And their attempts to lead the people And in not responding to Jesus, they lead in a way that casts confusion on those who look to them for guidance. These people do indeed hear the call to go to the vineyard and do the work, but they refuse to do so. As James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. And this is exactly the trap that these leaders fell into. They deceived themselves in believing that their actions and traditions were enough to save them. However, this is not what we see in the case of the first son. The first son hears the call and then responds. He is called and then he moves. Jesus is talking about the people who hear the truth and move to respond. Jesus was showing that there's no difference between the religious leaders and the prostitutes or tax collectors nor the Jews or the Gentiles in the call to do his work. There's also no prerequisite to, being, to hearing the call. They saw and heard what was coming and they believed. In this parable, the lowest of the low, the most despised and judged upon people, got it. They received God's grace. Jesus says that even they are able to receive God's mercy 
and grace. And because of this, as Jesus says in the parable, they will enter heaven before those who see the truth and refuse to believe it. Those who refuse to respond, those who refuse to be moved by the call. The lowest of people you see are like the first son, who hear the word and respond. And maybe it takes time, even years. Maybe it takes wrestling with tough questions or sins that they are struggling to lay down. And they most certainly would have had doubts. Eventually, though, they recognize what is being offered in the call. Jesus, the truth, salvation, and a grace that comes from God that says you don't You can't be too far from God's grace to be redeemed by Jesus Christ. And so they change their mind. And they go to do the work that they are called to do. This is a central phrase or word to see in the first son's behavior. And the phrase to change his mind. It's the word, metalemeli. It's a Greek word meaning to repent. It's a turning point for an individual who has heard the truth of Jesus, then changes their mind. They repent and they accept Christ as Lord. And so they hear, repent, and change direction, and then move. I want you to hear that again. They hear the call first. They repent. They change direction and then move. See, this is important for us in responding to Jesus, to his call. We can't miss the point of actually responding to the call to do the work and not going to the vineyard in the first place. And not for our own salvation, but because Jesus has already called us to him. And so those who do hear the call and respond, they receive the gift of new life in Jesus Christ. Through this, they and we are given a purpose and a new direction. Jesus says in this parable that the work is in the vineyard. Because, of course, that's a location that, these pe- that the audience would relate to. But when we respond to his call, when we change direction and move, we live and work in the field that Jesus speaks of. All of us, each one has heard the call to go and do the work. Whether you've been following Jesus for decades, or whether you are publicly proclaiming your faith in him for the first time, it doesn't matter. What matters is who is calling you and that you respond. You move to the call that has been placed first. See, God always takes the initiative. He always takes that first step. In both creating us and redeeming us, it is always God first. Just as God sent John before Jesus to prepare the hearts of people for his only son to redeem us, Jesus calls us. He calls us to change our minds and follow the only truth and hope that we will ever be able to count on. Him. The one who humbled himself to death on the cross to redeem you has called you into a closeness with him to work among those in whom he loves enough to redeem with his life, whether they know him or not. And that means everyone. We do this in our lives in obedience through faith through being connected to God through prayer and scripture, by living in a way that proclaims Jesus in our lives, to hear the call of Jesus, to respond, to move and be sent, to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord in whatever field we may be called to. Jesus came for each of us. We have to decide when we hear his call to turn towards him and move, 
to be sent to do the good work of proclaiming his great name. Amen.